Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at Gainsway. Loving being back involved with Gainsway for 2023. And want to remind you that Gainsway stands up-and-coming stallion McKinsey. McKinsey produced 16 six-figure first crop weanlings, the most of any first crop sire, with a $135,000 weanling average at Keeneland January. McKinsey produced the two highest-priced first crop yearlings, $250,000 and $220,000, respectively, well above the $145,000 Keeneland January sales average. Additionally, phasing tipped in February, McKinsey had the highest price first crop yearling at $200,000. For more information, visit Gainsway.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, August 1st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. I'm wearing a Brooklyn Bunker hat, but I'm not in the Brooklyn Bunker. I'm in my studio today at the little house on the east side in Saratoga. And joining me from across town, you can't see a red house. I see sort of a greenhouse behind him, but he's coming to you from the red house. There it is. He is Jonathan Kinchin. JK, what's up? Well, I got this. I got this. Uh umbrella keeping the sun from attacking me i decided <laughs> to sit outside today because it's just been last week was so ugly weather wise and it's beautiful today and uh and so i figured uh just bring the microphone set it up out here on the table and uh and attack it out here it's gorgeous and that's why part of the reason why it's going to be a truncated show i, I need to get to the pool man get it my run in and get to the pool but are, are, uh, you, are you a you Victoria pooling or were you, where do you, no, you, I, you know, we joined this little pool club down in uh, Niskiuna and it's, uh, it's fabulous, you know, like swimming lessons are included and there's spots to work and it just, uh, yeah, it just suits my life. Uh, it suits my life a little bit better, though. I do love the Victoria pool. That is on my, my list of Saratoga to do's for sure. Are you, you've been hanging there. Yeah, we, we hit it every now and then. A, a funny Victoria Pool story. Uh, last week we went. I, I worked like 3.30 on a Wednesday maybe. So we went early. Joe Benito wanted to go. I said, I'll, I'll go and I'll bring my iPad and I'll just sit there and sweat with not be able to see it because it's so bright. But yeah, that's fine, <laughs> honey. We can do that. So so we go to the pool. The lady in front of us in line, Pete, it's $8 to get into the pool. She's paying with quarters. Now, <laughs> listen, I, you know, I have a pretty good eye for people and, and I'm, I'm not, you know, if she happened to be a woman who, 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 who is in a position financially where that was her best option to be able to enjoy a day, I'm not making fun of her. Right. Of course. But she didn't, she didn't appear to be that she appeared to be an annoying lady using quarters to pay for $500 watch and paying in quarters kind of a thing. So she's, she, here's the, she's got seven fifty. So we're sitting there, we're sitting there, it's her in line and then us, and, and you know, we're Apple paying to get in, and I'm telling you, this is a three-minute transaction, which is a very long transaction for this time. She's trying to find the extra 50 cents, she finds the 50 cents, then she goes inside and we actually start to evaluate her. She's, she, she's eating, she has a to-go thing of a Ziploc bag with fruit loops, a thermos with milk, and she starts eating cereal. It's 90 degrees on the side of the pool after she paid with quarters. I said, ma'am, you're off your rocker. <laughs> That's fantastic. I've cut in in that situation and just been like, you know what? I'll pay for you. Just stop. You know, especially when it gets down to arguing about 25 cents or whatever. And I, I, I get the gots to goes in lines like nobody else. 
and I, 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 I on occasion have just stepped in added them to my bill just so I never have to see them again. But that's I get it. I get it. But I had to see where it was going to go. You know, I had to, I had to, I, you know, I had to see where it was going to go. Dealing with the crazies in Saratoga. You have any interesting encounters with fans so far? You've, you've had some good, usually very positive, but it, you do, you also, you know, you deal with the occasional nut over there and anything funny as far as that goes this year. No, um, 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 I'm, Jovani is sitting behind me. I'm laughing, honey, because Pete just asked me if I've had any in- encounters with crazy fans, and I was thinking about Friday night at Salivo, but that I don't know if she was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> this lady got this lady canceled a reservation for 16, 14 minutes before, and then had oh. the audacity to come down and then yell at the staff, and then yell at Jovani's mother, and then she yelled at okay. me as well. And so it was just a that was the funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, could you imagine canceling a 16, 14 minutes for you to be there and then being surprised that no one wanted to talk to you on the phone about it? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. No, you know, people are usually pretty good, you know. Like, I the, the, I will say this, though. The, the, the funny ones are when you're on the – when I'm, I'll be on the phone walking briskly and they say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. Well, yeah, well but I mean, I, I – yeah. <laughs> Not now, buddy. No, um, but there's also like some really cool people that do really nice. Like, like I don't know if you ever noticed, Pete, on our desk, we we use uh, hockey pucks to like hold papers down and stuff. Yes. I'll use it to prop up my iPad. So a guy that coaches a, a hockey team somewhere in the Midwest, like brought his like like labeled his team's pucks for for us to use. So you know, That's just people crazy. people do nice things. But ninety eight percent of people are awesome, and it's one of the things I think is fun about Saratoga getting to walk around and meet so many people, which we've gotten the opportunity to do many times. But of course, it's the two percent stories are the, the the funnier stories are when when things go slightly wrong like that so that's uh that that's the only reason i bring it up all right we have we have work to do and we only have 25 minutes in which to do it i just want to shout out some stuff around the country before we get to a couple of key questions we are going to spend the last 15 minutes here talking about this wednesday giant pick six carryover but uh, a show favorite um owned by our friends at little red feather wins the eddie reed gold flipping phoenix as we call him on here 97 fire speed figure out at del mar on sunday you know i mean we'll see uh, obviously how how he shapes up when the best of the division turn up but that's not really important what's important is you know this horse has uh he's been uh, incredible for the little red feather partners and he gets another big win. I mean, winning a race like that, that's just dream come true stuff for those people. And uh, this is a horse I root for and I need to get one of them, but they, they have those really cool uh, gold Phoenix hats as well. Yeah. And, and look, uh, Phil D'Amato doing his best Chad Brown impersonation uh, in the superfecta out there and the Eddie Reed. I think he ran one, two, three and four. <laughs> crazy stuff while we're looking at sunday action we got a shout out uh, george weaver doing the uh, monmouth two-year-old stakes double um with those t- with those two turf wins uh, no name Mets getting the job done don't have a buyer yet for that one on sunday and then uh, amidst waves for the black type team on saturday george just having such a great year with the two-year-olds and it was uh, very fun seeing his train continue to roll very curious to see what happens with this group of horses because there's some good ones and i, I have a feeling some of them are going to train on well what what did you think of that training performance yeah, look, I, I asked Jake uh, today. Actually, I talked to him this morning, and I said, "Hey, man, did you uh, are you going to buy a, a tuxedo uh, in tails, coat and tails now? Because I mean, I mean, all you do is win turf sprints. I mean, is this going to be a, so? 
he uh he they're excited and and look they're they're excited that they think that amidst waves is like crimson advocate good possibly even better so right. to have a horse that won at royal ascot and then have another one that you think could be better that's exciting stuff for them and, and not to forget they also have that two-year-old um with brad cox and Qatar racing i believe her name is um i'm not gonna remember it's like if i had you if you told me told me you have me whatever Dig she won the snake it she won the stake at uh, at Churchill on 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 Derby Week. I know exactly I, who you mean. And I almost I'm had you, maybe. I, I almost had you, or you, we don't. Yeah, something like that. I would dig, dig and find that name. We need to name check that. You do that, and you'll you'll loop it back. We got to talk Bowling Green, which you know there was that very unfortunate situation with the clipping heels and uh, the big favorite Rebels romance dropping uh, Richie Mullen, who uh, you know had a very very. Uh, it looked as bad as it was. It looked even worse. Very happy to hear that he's on the path to recovery. Uh, meanwhile, the win goes to Channel Maker, the old boy, son of English Channel, getting the job done in the Bowling Green with a 99 buyer speed figure. Terrific racing story. Um, presumably uh, a horse that is going to be facing tougher competition down the line. But, you know, I mean, my biggest takeaway there was just uh, relief that uh, horse was okay and rider is going to be okay after this uh, recovery period. That can't imagine. That's just got to be so scary coming over and, and having that happen. And, and, you know, with the delay and everything, I was really scared there for a minute, but it, it, it does sound like he's on the path to, to recovery. Were you, were you, on air for that one, and have you dug and found this horse's name yet? Uh, you almost had me. Uh, you almost had me. Um, yeah, no, I, I was on air, and um, you know, it's it's weird. One thing that's always weird for me is is sitting next to a rider when there's a rider down, because yep. you know you got to think that they've they've all Richie, Greg, I mean Greg, Richie, Gary, they've all at one point of their lives been dropped like that and thought for a second in their mind that they may never see their family again. So like, I think when they see that and they see it happening, I think it's, it's significantly more emotional for them because they've been in that position before. Um, and they have that brotherhood and, and, and they understand it. So, you know, Gary, Gary never handles them. Well, he always gets really emotional and like, you know, kind of can't talk. And, 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 uh, and so we, we did, we did, we were given the information that he was, moving all four extremities, but he is having chest pain. So they didn't want us to report that until he actually got on the ambulance and got out of there Yeah, because, you know, you don't want to say, Oh, he's moving all four extremities. And then he like, you know, has some, something goes wrong serious. Yeah. So, um, but they didn't tell us until after commercial break. And then obviously they don't show the replay even to us. So we, you know, we never got to see it to kind of have any evaluation, but um, yeah, like you said, glad everyone's okay or going to be okay. Don't like that, by the way. I mean, especially if I get it, I suppose, if it's an equine injury, um, not showing it. But, I mean, I feel like I, 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 that's one that maybe should be reevaluated. The replay is out there now for folks who want to watch. I guess it's just abundance of caution on the, on the equine side, but not, not, great for, uh, not great for horse players, not great for people who just – well-meaning people who just want to figure out what the hell's going on. Okay, we've got some other stuff we've got to get to before we get back. We do have some messages for our, from our sponsors – but the first thing I want to do is do another little one of these Breeders' Cup previews that we're doing for the international win and your in races. Had a chance to connect with our correspondent, Callum Hellowell from Sky Sports Racing, and we'll go to him right now. 
Hello Peter and hello listeners, I come to you live from the glamour of a hotel room in Chichester just outside of Goodwood Racecourse and I'm talking to you about the Breeders' Cup win and you're in Qatar Sussex Stakes which is one of the premier races of the Goodwood Festival, a meeting that I am so looking forward to getting stuck into this week. Now this race features a horse who has built on his reputation time after time after time. It's Paddington for Aidan O'Brien. He won the Irish Guineas. People doubted his ability. He then went to Royal Ascot. He defeated the English Guineas winner Chaldean comprehensively. People still doubted him. They still said, what can he do against the older horses? Well, he went and took on Emily Upjohn, one of the best mares in Britain, and he put her to the sword in a thrilling coral eclipse. He returns now to the UK to try and build on that reputation in the Sussex Stakes, but he won't have it all his own way. He takes on inspiring of John and Sadie Goldston, a mare who is just been superb all her career. She continues to defy her doubters when she has long periods of time off the track. She comes back and runs a good race and that was no different to last time out in the Queen Anne at Royal Ascot where she finished an admirable second returning from an eight month break I have to remind everyone, eight months she was off the track for, she returned and she ran a belter travelling into the race like a winner and just failing to pick up, I think she'll have come on from that race and hopefully she can give Paddington a real challenge other than the field to consider are Aldari who has really been running in races of a lower quality than this and not particularly winning so I think he might find it a little bit tough but I like Factor Cheval for Jérôme Renier a very good French trainer he's having his first run in the UK which is an interesting move for him whether he'll handle the journey or not we're yet to find out but he always runs a very good race including last time out in the pre-Dispahan where he finished third but a very very close third so certainly Certainly wouldn't be putting off putting him in maybe one of the more exotic bets that people are trying to come up with. Other other runners in the field include Charin, who I think is a little bit out of his depth here, and Chindit, who although is a stable superstar and a really popular horse, may find this all a bit too tough. So for me, it is Paddington. I hope he wins here, and I really hope we then see him at the Breeders' Cup. Thank you for that, Callum. Sussex Stakes from Goodwood. Check it out. Wednesday morning, win and you're in action for the Breeders' Cup Mile, one of the races of the year in Prospect. JK and I will be back to talk more about Saturday and look ahead to this Wednesday carryover pick six right after this. As you know, very excited to be partnered with Naira throughout the 2023 season. We've got so much stuff going on. We're covering Saturday on the late week shows consistently. We have special coverage as well. This weekend, we're going to be doing a show for the special two-day pick six. We've also got our live show on Friday night, 7.30. That'll be streaming. That's going to be covering the Whitney Day pick six. And then lots of written content as well. Nick Tamaro, you can read his free analysis every day over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And if you want even more, got his best bets and among other things in the Nick's notebook section. That's InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. Nick's been absolutely slaying it with his bets of the day there. Also, just want to remind you, you can find our stuff on the Naira site under the picks, plays, and promotions tab and we'll also give you the full tv schedule over at in the slash tv 
Some will say I should have started with the next race we're going to talk about. That's the Jim Dandy, where Forte gets the job done. Strong buyer speed figure here. Uh, Exciting stretch drive. 105 was the buyer for Forte, who uh, looks to be stepping forward at the right time of the season. But can't talk about this race without talking about the controversy. At the time, JK, I did not think it was going to be a DQ. I said maybe a 5% chance that they'd take it down. Part of my case was the four drifting out early in the stretch, I thought might have precipitated that first bit of contact. But watching it again and hearing the perspectives of people who thought it should be a DQ, it was pointed out to me that at the time I was pointing to that uh, the forerunner was probably clear. Of course, then uh, again at the wire, you see uh, you see Irad Ortiz above Forte tightening up Saudi crown. I I am now still in the vein of there's enough doubt that I don't think it should have been a DQ, but it's certainly worthy of, uh, of talking about what did you think personally? I mean, I, I kind of thought it's funny on the air. I actually said, it was, I think there's a hundred percent chance he's coming down. Really? Yeah. And that's, you know, obviously it's, 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 you know, it's on, on national television, you're better off just jumping to one side or the other instead of like him hawing. Cause like, you know, the people at home don't want you to him haw and I'm I'm not afraid, afraid to be wrong. Um, yeah, well, I think that if you consider IRAD, you know, being in some pretty controversial inquiries throughout the week, him already kind of having the reputation that he has, um, I thought that he bowled his way out at the top of the stretch. I think there's no other way to describe what he did other than bull his way out. Um, and Unless you I think thought Saudi carried him, but if Saudi was clear, then yes. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Irad definitely bowled his way out, and then and then I think that he even bumped Saudi, you know, near the wire. And I just yeah. thought that they were gonna. I thought for sure on that big stage um, that they would make. They would make that decision, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I I had no problem with other, whether it was Forte or, or Saudi Crown. Um, I just you know I I just thought that that they were going to make a change, and I'm shocked. I'm shocked considering how long it took them to make those decisions uh, in the last on Thursday, I think it was, where where Jose it took forever for him to make a decision there with no change, and then the day after it took them forever to take Irad down on them on the Maker Horse, and then they looked at it for like twenty seconds. Uh, I I thought it was the shortest inquiry ever for, especially for a big race. So, you know, the one thing I'll say about that is like, I don't necessarily blame Irad. Like I don't, I I look at Irad, like kind of like a naughty kid. Like I blame the parents. If, if, if you let your kid behave that way, you can't really be mad at the kid for behaving that way. And that's how I think the stewards are. They allow him to get away with certain stuff. So he just does what he can get away with. Right. And I I don't necessarily blame him for that. I I mean, you know, I, I I hope that no one ever gets seriously injured with some of the aggressive decisions. But you know, I think he bowled his way out of there. I'm happy for Forte. I'm actually happy that Forte won a, ran a fast number finally. Now I think we got a real showdown um, come Travers weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun. Looking at the probables for that, this looks like one of the best Travers fields we've had in a while. You know. Oh, it's gonna be great. Run through run through who you're looking forward to seeing in there. Yeah, so you know, Forte, Mage, uh, National Treasure, um, Archangelo. So you're gonna get all three classic winners, if I'm not mistaken. That would be and the three. and the horse that should have been the Derby favorite if he wasn't scratched the morning of, and the two year old champion. I and mean, that's yeah. a pretty that's a pretty hefty field. 
Um, and then you also get the Saudi crown who arguably could have been the winner of, of, of the, of the Jim Dandy who lost in a photo and you get the winner of the Curlin in Scotland. Like it, we got, this is like a, you know, we got a, we got a, a heck of a heck of a race building up. It looks loaded. It looks loaded. It's going to be fun. We can, we can settle some of this stuff on the track. Also to, just to add to my opinion, my entire opinion in the dandy was beating Forte. I needed him to come down and my gut watching it the first time through was, was again, that he wasn't going to, but you know, that's based on stewards past performances. And again, this thing that I might be wrong about and probably need to watch the race a few more times that the first incident was yeah he bulled but he was maybe carried before he bulled but I'm I'm not sure that I'm right about that you know so it's uh anyway just wanted to make it clear that there were no like sour grapes oh I had Forte singled everywhere kind of a thing with that 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 it was it was quite the opposite um, and I wasn't doing the old reverse mush either I can I can tell you that much um, other stuff from uh, other stuff from the weekend we talked a bunch about Sunday we should at least name check some of this stuff from Saturday how about Elite Power with the 108 buyer speed figure in the Vanderbilt. Uh, what what a serious horse and what an exciting horse race that was with him and Gunite down the lane. That's a, a replay I think we'll be seeing a few times uh, more before this year's Breeders' Cup Sprint. Yeah, we, we saw the, the Breeders' Cup Sprint winner um, this weekend, and, and, and that horse ran on Friday. Um, no, I'm joking. Well, maybe. <laughs> No, look, Elite Power was special. He's he's an he's an he's such a cool horse, and the way that he wins, the style in which he wins, you know, I, I think Gunite was just for whatever reason was a little uncomfortable on the backside. Tyler had to engage Gunite a little bit earlier. I think if Gunite would have just kind of gotten over the track a little bit better, he there's a chance he could have beat uh, Elite Power. But man, Elite Power is talented because I think Gunite is really really good. But I, I I joke a little bit, but I am a little serious as well. New York Thunder, who ran on third on Friday. I think he got a 111, 112 buy or something like that, Pete. I don't know if you saw the number for him on Friday in the Amsterdam. But first time on the dirt, uh, 110. I mean, that's that's a real number for a three-year-old. Let's remember Elite Power is not a three-year-old. I believe he's a five-year-old. Um, you know, so we know who he is. New York Thunder, that was his first race on dirt. And now he's got a chance to continue to take a step forward. Um, that was at six furlongs as well. Um, and he's a speedy, speedy horse. I, I thought he was very, very impressive on Friday. And I'll tell you what, not even the fastest sprint figure earned at Saratoga last week because Echo Zulu put up the 112. Now, being in the same barn as Gunite, maybe they will look more to the seven furlong filly and mare, but any way you slice it, we've got some serious sprinters around. How impressed were you by Echo Zulu? Oh, she was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, look, I think that it, when they turn for home, uh, midday, Saturday, November, whatever that is that Saturday, November 3rd or 4th or whatever it is, I think good night. Olive's going to be coming off the turn Echo Zulu will be in front and we'll have a showdown. And, uh, I, I look, I, I hate to jump to conclusions, but those two horses just seem better than the rest. Uh, Echo Zulu was just outstanding. Um, and she was outstanding. And if I'm not mistaken, I think New York Thunder six furlong. It was a six and a half race. Excuse me, the Amsterdam. I think the six furlong time was a track record. That's amazing. Oh, I hadn't even noticed that. Let's just name check a couple of the big Del Mar races. We don't really have time to go into them because I do want to look at the uh, Wednesday carryover. But Senor Buscador gets his day in the sun in the San Diego with the 101 buyer speed figure. And then this was cool to see, this incredibly talented Calbred we've been following for years on these airwaves since he was a two-year-old. The chosen Vron wins the grade one Bing Crosby 96 
very cool to see for a very cool horse. But, you know, given the figures we've been noting for these East Coast sprint runners, it may be a reverse of the usual JK, where it feels like historically at a lot of Breeders' Cups, the California horses have an edge, at least in terms of speed figures. Very clear that it's the East Coast ones you want to be with uh, this year, it seems. Yeah, it's funny. I was looking at at uh, at, um, at Steve Bick that post that he posts every week, you know, with all the stakes figures, and and I noticed the same thing you did, like all the blazing fast numbers at Saratoga, and and I think maybe one horse cracked the hundred mark at Del Mar, and part of me wanted to get a little defensive because you know there's this conversation throughout these last through couple of weeks about how Del Mar's got the bigger field and it's so much better of a betting product. I think it's just different situations, right? I mean. I think that one of the things that's the start of Del Mar, their turf racing is pretty prominent because there's so many horses that were put on the shelf because of Los Alamitos. Yep. So they come in and their turf races are full. And, and let's see how those fields do a little bit later. And, and I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just saying there's a horse population problem. And it's not like that population problem doesn't exist in California. I, I just want to remind everyone that it's, it's a little bit of an optical illusion. I wanted to get defensive, but I knew what it came off the wrong way is that like, Maybe their field size are bigger, but we have, it appears to be the, the, the horses that you want to see run, right? The Echo Zulus, the New York Thunders, the Elite Powers, the Fortes, the Saudi Crowns, um, so on and so forth. But I didn't want it to be misconstrued because I love my Del Mar racing. I just, that, that, that uh, argument that, that um, you know, is, is, is a little bit annoying. And look. Yes, I, there was. I'm a I'm a proponent of that argument. I wish we had time to debate it here. Unfortunately, we don't. Um, but it's I I can't disagree with what you're saying though about the the biggest star power being here. It's just you know most betters would rather have a big full field than a five horse stake, even with great star power. But our but here's the thing. Our allowance turf races, our 40 claimers, our you know you know non winners of two. Th- those fields are full. Yeah. Our maiden races, those fields are full. They're oversubscribed. The problem that people are picking on are some of the stakes are smaller. But the reason those stakes are smaller is because people don't want to run against an Italian. They don't want to run against White Bean. They don't want to waste a race against Elite Power and Gunite. They don't want to waste a race against uh, Forte and, and Saudi Crown. You know what I mean? They want to find easier spots to get to those bigger spots that, you know, so that like, I don't blame Naira. I don't blame Naira. I do think the stakes calendar is a big part of the problem. You know, it would be nice. I mean, you know, California, the advantage they have being on an Island there um, is that there, you know, there's not near, there aren't as many opportunities for places to run. I I don't think it's a Naira problem. I think it's a a, a graded stakes problem and just a a general planning and cooperation problem. No, of course I'm just, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I think that I think that it's, I think this idea that Saratoga is a bunch of short fields is optics because we make such big deals about the superstars running and they're happening to run in small fields, right? Like, yes, Nest and Clarier, the two best older horses, older female horses in training, ran against each other in a four horse field because no one else wanted to run against them. Yeah. Like. Oh, that it, dynamic has repeated itself again and again. And when you have one of these other horses and you have so many other places to run, yeah, it's everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. It just, but it's not an appealing betting product. No, that those races are not. But like I said, the allowance, the allowance races, our allowance races are full. Oh yeah, this card on Wednesday that we're about to talk about, I think it's really cool. I'm, I'm, I really want to sink my teeth into this one, J.K. Because 
I was surprised the amount of that carryover to be a one day. I mean, I, I was extremely pleased to see that. And this is some good racing. And we'll start off talking about race number five, where we've got these two-year-old New York bred Phillies going a mile and a 16th on the inner. Really interesting race. Love that it's the first race of the sequence. You know, we're not, these aren't sort of our final answer thoughts on this, where we're going through and we want to share some ideas. But there were a couple of horses that really leapt out to me in this spot, starting with the number four, Coach Sessa. This is a, a Catholic boy, two-year-old Catholic boy, off to a very good start with turfers. And the dam doesn't have any obvious turf pedigree, but I thought it was significant that she debuted on turf and at least showed speed before stopping. And that was on soft turf at Keeneland. And then she later won her maiden on synth. No foals to the race uh, races yet besides this coach, Sessa. And then, you know, Brittany Russell, who does so well, feels very meaningful that this horse shows up in this spot uh, for, for, uh, for this team. I want lots of fours on my ticket. The two once an Eagle stood out to me just on the damn side uh, turf pedigree. I definitely wanted twos. The three and the six were sort of more obvious uses, but I didn't love, but I at least wanted to mention as potential backups in this spot. Those were the four that I'm going to presumably be focusing on as we kick this off, as well as anything we see in the paddock and or uh, interesting tote clues, etc. But how about you? Anything leap out to you when you look at this fifth race on Wednesday? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the, any time that there's these New York bred turf races and Kristoff shows up in here, I, I, you know, I think it always kind of wants to get your attention. Um, yep. And, you know, you get Flavian, you get Joel. I, I thought those two, you know, pending any workout issues, which it's going to be hard for me to even have a workout issue because they didn't work on the turf. I, it would have to be a negative work on the turf for me not to use one of these two horses. Right. Um, if they have a C-plus work on the dirt, I don't really care. Right. Um, George Weaver, the, the two-year-olds that he's been unleashing – You'd like to think that uh, that he's got a nice live crop. This horse seemed to work well on the dirt, uh, getting a start, get Irad, and 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 he doesn't use Irad very much. Um, and and the fact that he uses Irad here, I, I think, is interesting. And then I'm with you on the Coach Sessa thing. The only other one I wanted to mention is Run for Your Honey did take money on both in both starts. Um, took money at at Belmont uh, Turf Sprinting, and then also took money at Saratoga um, Dirt Sprinting. So there's there's got to be some talent there. And maybe just all along, this is what this horse has been needing to do. And now Maker's going to get her on the grass going along. Um, I thought that was at least a little bit interesting. Um, the rest of them didn't really show much uh, in terms of, of betting uh, or pedigree. We will probably both be spreading at least a little bit to kick this thing off. It's always so nice to single early. Not an easy race to do that. Though, who knows? Maybe we'll get some new info between now and then and can at least get a little more narrow on the A-line. Race number six, we've got these $35,000 claimers and a field of nine going forward. I'm boring in this one, JK. It looked to me like the three stir crazy and the seven post nup were going to be favorites. They've got the best numbers. They should get the best trips. I was going to focus on them. If I wanted to try to make a case for a little bit of a price, maybe the one runner, Miss MM down there from the rail, having to go. There's other speed, but we've talked about it so many times that, you know, when you can be the best speed uh, on the turf, now we usually talk about this in terms of turf sprinting, but in this spot, I, I do see a world in which this Miss MM could get loose. And I like the idea of having the best speed on the stretch out from the rail. Much more of a B for me though, with Miss MM. I like the three and the seven. What do you think? Yeah, I thought cannon fire was interesting. Um, you know, if, if you, you look at the race, 
two back and, and even some of the earlier races, those, those races kind of fit a little bit from a, from a figure standpoint. And then there's the race last time, which is an awful performance. But um, if I'm not mistaken, the turf, there was some moisture that day in the turf. So maybe there's a reason that, that horse ran as poorly as she did. And, you know, this, this Linda Rice thing, what, at least at this point, 15 for 49, I think. I think those are updated stats. 31%. Yeah. I mean, I'd still would bet my lungs on Chad DeBeter, um for the title. But, man, she's really she's really uh, got her horses running in the right direction. And her and strategy, her strategy has been crazy what she did, which if, if you, if you didn't pay attention, she did what she normally did at Belmont, you know, aggressively claiming and dropping and just spotting horses and moving horses up. But then she also was claiming like crazy at Ellis and at Churchill. And those horses were all in jail and couldn't run until those meets were over. And then she was unleashing those horses up here now. And and you know, I mean, she she took two out of one race at at, at Churchill for fifty thousand, um, where Steve Asmussen won and Tom Amos, and then she came back and and ran like a ninety five buyer with the horse here, and and I mean that's why she's so loaded. But you know, eventually she's gonna, you know, I think a lot of people thought she was gonna run out of conditions from Belmont up here. I think she really will eventually run out of conditions for a lot of these horses. I'm with you, but it's fascinating that we can even have the conversation, and someone could even posit the idea that she could be leading trainer once again up here. Um, the fact that we can have that conversation is a huge victory to her, but I do think you're right. And who knows, maybe we'll have uh, egg on our face, um, be stuffed in a locker, but it does feel like Chad and the numbers game will eventually catch up. So any others besides cannon fire that you wanted to name check in here? Uh, no, I th- no, that's it. All right, well, there we go. Cannon fire. And I assume you'll be with me at least as backups on those, on those, some of those others. We'll get, uh, you know, we, are you going to be on air for this pick six? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm late tomorrow. There you go. So you'll there'll be more info to come from JK on all this stuff. Race number seven, we've got a starter allowance. And uh, this is a race that I think, you know, you really got to look at this mile and a quarter, obviously, and figure out how that's going to affect things. I like the horse that should be a price here. The nine Bobby G. Uh, one of the best runs ever was the 10 furlong run. Has terrific blood for this looks slow on numbers but i feel like mile and a quarter is one of those things that can equal that out and the horse is at least in good form so i I definitely wanted nines the 10 um lost captain another linda rice runner big numbers a very hot barn i'm not sure about the 10 furlongs but i'm not getting beat by that horse and then the other one that i feel like yeah Kind of, I, I think I have to use the three Portos. Not so sure about this uh, trainer change, but this is a horse who's done some very good work going long and been running above his head, and now probably meets uh, probably meets the right field. And uh, in, in, in the mile and a quarter again might play to the advantage of Portos. So I was looking at this nine on the A line, ten and three on the backup line. What are you thinking here? Well, it's funny. I was trying to look up something on my, on my Twitter really fast, and I, I it was taking me forever because I couldn't find it because I changed the logo to that. Oh yeah, X the thing. X thing. So I couldn't find. So I, I found it though. Here's what I'll yeah. say. I'm gonna, I'm likely going to single the ten Lord Captain, um, and here's here's the reason why. We talked about the run that Linda Rice is on. Um, this horse is eligible for the starter allowance condition, so she's gonna run right back in the starter allowance situation. Now, here's the thing. This horse is going to be stretching out from seven to a mile and a quarter. And there's not a whole lot of stats on, 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 you know, on her going, you know, from two a mile and a quarter. But Nick Tamaro posted last week in the last eight months, okay, surface dirt, 
Belmont and Saratoga, sprint to route. Okay, so seven furlong to route, sprint to route, nine for 21, 43%. 76% in the money. So when Linda stretches a horse out, they, they typically, she doesn't miss that often in that situation. 76% of them hit the board. And you got to think, if you're stretching out a horse that shouldn't be stretching out, they're not running third, they're running off the board, right? They're stopping. And so this is a move that I think is confident for her. And if she runs the figure this horse ran last time, this horse is going to win by 12. Yes. <laughs> Three more races to go to. And I know you're running out of time, JK, but we'll get to the Della Rose here quickly going a mile. Um, I feel like it's a Chad Brown lockup, a haughty horse. Always had a lot of positive things to say about, you know, now third off the layoff, I, I think can likely reverse form with uh, w- with the likes of, of EV Jets in this spot. Technical analysis, the other one I need. This one's second off layoff and uh, just, you know, disappointed odds on last time, but second off the bench, very likely all systems go. I was going to try to get through with those two. Uh, there also is a case for the three eminent victor in here. I was going to try to, 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 to fade, to not use all three Chad Brown runners. What, what do you think? What numbers are looking like they're going to be on your tickets in this spot? Well, here's the thing, right? I mean, I think you got to kind of use Evie Jets too. Um, it's a sneaky condition, right? You got to make sure you read the condition to a certain extent because it is um, for Phillies and Bears that haven't won a stake in 2023. So, so Evie Jets, who a graded stake, I think she won. It was a, is it a graded sweepstake? I think the race that she won where she beat White Beam a couple of races back to plenty of grace. I don't believe it's graded if I'm not mistaken. No, I think it's listed. a solicit state. Yep. So, but she beat white beam who went on to win the damn Diana. So, you know, I think that there, in, you know, I think there needs to be some, some, some consideration there. The only issue for her is, is that her style, she's going to have a more fit technical analysis. Who's a better horse breathing on her the entire time. And I think that tech will eventually run at her and is going to be a problem for her more than she was last time, which could set it up for haughty. I, I, I'm going to use Evie Jet, Haughty, and Technical Analysis. Those are the ones I want to make sure I have. Um, the rest of them, I, I don't really need. Uh, White Frost, I needed that horse at Ellis for a million dollars last time. Not really, but I needed the horse, you know, and and just ran terribly. Um, I guess there's an argument that she could get some pace to close into. I just don't think she breathes the same air as some of these other horses. That You know, I think Technical Analysis is a grade one filly, and uh, Haughty, is a, a, a grade two on the verge of grade one type of filly. And so I, I just think one of those two will probably run her down. All right. Race nine turf allowance uh, sprinting here, five and a half for these fillies and mares. I thought maybe coffee maker would get the best trip. Saez most outside drawn speed. That was the one that I put on top in this spot. Third race of the, the year for her. Not going to be easy, though. I mean, mail order looks pretty serious. Another one, second off a long layoff, who has a decent form coming out of that uh, Roses for Deborah race. And I could also see a world in which Happy Soul down there on the rail um, raced into form for a hot barn who specializes in these kind of events, um, gets loose and becomes the best speed. I was just going to try to use all seven, six, and one to get out of this salty allowance race that goes as race nine. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to use the happy, I'm going to use happy soul too. I mean, she's just always been a little bit sneaky. I mean, she as a two-year-old, she ran like a 90 something buyer on the dirt and she's always just kind of been in the mix. And and I I do think that she's got some big races in her. Maybe they've got her running in the right direction. 
Um, I'm not going to fall for the five Sarah Harper. I just want to say that out loud. She got that big number a couple back against Caravel. But when you're facing a horse that's superior to the group that she's facing, Caravel is the type of horse that she's going to gut everyone else who's even close. And then the horse that took way back and made one run is going to pick up horses that were chasing a monster. And it yep. looks a lot better than it was. And I, I so I, I don't uh, I don't need uh, Sarah Harper here. I like that point and agree with it. We've got $16,000 claimers in the 10th race here. And uh, this is the one that, uh, that closes things out. And there were two that stood out for me. The top one I thought in a race full of speed was number six, La Aquilia. Aquilia. In the, I felt like there were excuses for the other dirt tries. And again, just looked like the best closer in a race full of speed. I want to take that one more time. Aquilia. Uh, I'm blowing it. And I know how to pronounce it. Aquilia. It's La Aquilia, isn't it? Aquilia. There's the L. So we got to sit. There's a single L. So it's Aguil and then Ia. Aguilia. That's Aguilia. Aguilia. I'm not going to edit it. I'll leave in my embarrassing Spanish pronunciation. I also wanted Vax, Dropper, Hot Barn, Best Numbers, 6 7 to the hoop to close this thing out. What did you think? I'm fine with 6 7. I'm going to use those horses, but I want to make sure that I have the four baby socks. Uh, Remember the year that Rudy had last? summer at saratoga and how it was it was like horrible <laughs> he won like one race really? it was just a yes. nightmare yes six for 21 29 so far this meet rudy rudy came back with a vengeance he wasn't going to get uh wasn't going to get stuck like he did last time i think baby socks is interesting the race two back can absolutely win this in the last race showed a lot of early speed got tired another one that i think could run well um and then uh this is an italian one what's the two horses name pete I'll give this one to you. Italian is a, that's a little bit more in my in my wheelhouse, but you should know this at this point. Fulini. Yeah, I think it's a type of wine, but um another one that I I, I you know ran well on the turf last time. But when when a horse is dirt, 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 and then kind of runs a nice number on the turf, it makes me think maybe the horse just got better and maybe the dirt situation might work out this time. Okay. So you might have some twos as well. Some twos as well. All right, to close this out, the kind of horse that could maybe unlock some payouts there in this pick six carryover. You can watch JK on America's Day at the Races. We have a live show coming up, sold out, but you can check out the live stream with our friends at TaylorMade. That's going to be Friday at 7.30 going over this Whitney Day card. Going to have a bunch more fun stuff later in the week as well. We've got a good JK plus one coming this week. Tell us about that real quick, and then I I swear I'll let you get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boyd Browning and Evan Ferraro, a phasic tip that we're going to talk about some some funny stories. Maybe they can get those guys to tell about some behind the scenes stuff uh, at the sale at the phasic tip and select sale. And then also uh, highlighting some of the horses that that uh, could be those big price tags. It's always a lot more fun when, you know, hip 78 is supposed to go for over a million. It's a little bit more fun to get yourself in a position to watch. Definitely. Great stuff. We'll check that out. Definitely get some good. I guarantee you they have. 15 good accidental bid stories. I want to hear those. (laughs) All right, that's it. We're getting out of here. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Most of all, want to thank all of you for listening, making these shows so much fun to do and coming up and saying hi, as long as we're not on the phone walking pointedly. (laughs) For Jonathan Kitchen, I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos.